Welcome to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. My name is Michael Cirillo, and each week I sit down with the brightest minds in marketing, sales, and leadership to help you level up your career in automotive. Thank you so much for spending your time here with me today. Now let's open up the playbook. Here we go. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. I am uh, I'm super pumped. I, I've said this on a previous episode, but this is the first season of the show that I produced where the Canadians have outnumbered our our compadres to the south as guests on the show. So, so anytime we have Canadians on the show, I'm super pumped about that. I mean, I'm I, I hail from British Columbia, so so uh, super fun. You're getting blasted with a snowstorm. Uh, I. Not so much. I live in the the only desert in Canada here in the Okanagan, so I'm a little bit uh, a little bit fortunate there. But uh, super pumped to have you on the show. Um, you know, for those of you that have not yet checked out Jamie's stuff, you need to go check out www.salesforlife.com. Especially the blog. There's a ton of super intriguing information, and I'm I've actually read through a bunch of the articles there. They're they're phenomenal. So I want to turn this over to you. I mean. Here we are, 2017. There are still so many business people out there who feel the overwhelm as if the internet just happened, who are feeling the overwhelm of how quickly social media moves, that when we add in this layer of selling via social media, there's this like, holy crap, you know, but what do I do? And so, you know, I, as I scroll through my own Facebook feed, I see a lot of the same crap, right? People are just broadcasting and broadcasting and broadcasting. But I want to turn this over to you. Is there A, a right and a wrong way to do this? And B, what's the right way? <laughs> it's a great question. And I, I think the fear of change is just comes comes with complacency or uh you know, lack of interest of of inertia. You know that concept of a a rock in motion wants to stay in motion or whatever right. it is. Yeah. But here's the reality: is there is a difference between social media and social selling. And and as you were describing, uh, going onto Facebook and reviewing people posting garbage, mm -hmm. that is social media. Uh, social media is about creating an omnipresence of noise. Uh, that can attract awareness. And I, I see it more as a, a business-to-consumer play. What social selling is, social selling is about recognizing that the buyer is arming themselves with information to make informed decisions, whether you like it or not. You can either be part of the education process or not, and they're leveraging their online tools, their social networks to conduct due diligence. So you have an opportunity or a risk, however you want to look at it, to be part of helping them along that journey. And so as you do this and you're asking, is there a right or a wrong way to do that? We believe that there is a right way. And it's about condensing a routine. If I'm a sales professional, I'm condensing a routine into my existing sales process. This is not about removing the telephone. This is not, this is not about cutting down on certain sales activities. This is about augmenting and adding social as part of my cadence. Mm. And I'm doing that in under 30 minutes a day. 
because if I'm doing it longer than 30 minutes a day, is detracting from core sales activities that I need to be doing. So you're asking, well, what is the right way to do it? And we believe there is a routine we call feed, which is find, educate, engage, and develop. So whether I'm dealing with, um, it's every single day I'm doing this and or every single deal I'm working on. That's okay. a bit of a, it's a quote uh, that Jill, a lady named Jill Rowley always uses, every deal, every day. And basically what I'm doing is I'm, Every single day, I am finding a decision maker, champion, an influencer, or finding a net new account that I want to deal with, or socially surrounding the people within that account. Then I am engaging them, engaging them with insights, enga engaging them because of a trigger, engaging them because of referral into the business. I'm then educating both myself and the customer, helping them along the journey. And then I'm discovering new ways of getting in the door, discovering ways of growing my network. I'm doing this loop in under 30 minutes every day, and when it starts to compound itself into a routine, just like sellers are supposed to be doing, is building a process and a cadence. So, so, so that that's kind of how you put it all together. Yeah, okay. So so very much different, I think, than what most people, uh, and, and I'm not dogging on anybody, but I think most people that consider themselves salespeople have that like one thing of outreach per day, and then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, they didn't answer the phone, and I left a voicemail, and whatever versus you know what you're saying which is uh kind of getting the snowball moving with a series of actions that will help you not only uh advance your sale but grow closer and build a relationship with your your prospect in the process it, or or meeting them on their terms instead of you constantly trying to like pull them into to your terms correct and a study done by insidesales.com showed that the average sales professional, the average lazy sales professional, will touch a prospect or prospective account 1.2 times. And then they'll give up, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, he or she didn't call me back. Must be a dead lead. Sure. Here's the reality is just like you as a consumer, you need to be moved from why should I change to how do I change to who do I change with. And that requires time. And that requires education. And so the sophisticated social seller recognizes I'm going to help them along this journey and every message I send, every communication is going to have value. We say never send a naked message. That means every touch point's gotta be filled with either a physical or uh, you're either you're actually sharing an infographic, a podcast link, a video, and or you're talking about the data that you've been accumulating in the market and saying, did you know that this is what's happening in your space? Yeah. You've got to be adding a value above and beyond features, advantages, and benefits. I, what I love about it is it is it there, there's so many things at play when you're doing that, even though, like you said, I mean, this starts from a kind of a 30-minute routine every day. Um, it requires thinking and and you know, that may be difficult at the onset to kind of think outside the box and consider ways that you could can uh, develop those relationships. But what I, what I really like about this is that y you are keying in or dialing in on making every interaction worth their while. Uh, and in so doing, it becomes worth your while. Like you said, it kind of compounds and it grows from there. And then the other thing I think uh, I, I really like about this, and I mean, we I, I've seen this and experienced this in my own selling, is that when you provide more value, 
and you can position it properly, it kind of changes the psychology of of the deal in that that consumer or that, that prospect starts to learn on their own terms that you are unequivocally the go-to for whatever it is that you're talking to them about. And so they, they, they stop trusting everybody else and they start lending an ear because of that trust factor or that credibility factor to you. They want to hear what your opinion is. Well, there's actually data behind that. Foresters and Corporate Visions did a joint study, and the end result of that study was that 74% of deals were awarded to the sales professional. Remember, people buy from people right. first, and then they buy into the company and the solutions that they represent. So 74% of deals are awarded to the sales professional because they were first to provide value and insight along the journey, essentially shaping the journey. If, if, I, if I had a choice, I, I'm in an RFP, a request for proposal situation, and the buyer said, okay, Jamie, you can be the first presenter, the second presenter, or the third presenter. It, it's crazy that anybody would choose anything other than the first presenter because as the first presenter, I get to set the pitfalls, the challenges, the landmines. Mm. I, I'm the educator. I tell the customer, and I then shape the future of all other questions going forward. So by the time person three comes in to present, they're like in the grand, the grand, they're in just getting peppered with questions because sure. the buyer is so much smarter. Our own sales professional, a sales professional on our team has an incredible story about this, was working for a technology company and selling into Western Canada. And had six incredible deals on the table in Western Canada and lost all all of his first six deals. Uh, But his company had the better pricing, better product, had all of the pieces. And these deals were so large that they did deal kind of diagnostics uh, with the buyer after, you know, uh, the Mm post-mortem. And what the customers were saying was that they were dealing with this other sales professional at a competitor who had been for the last 18 months shaping the journey, sharing content, teaching them about the industry. And they felt much more comfortable with person B than they did with the teammate that we have. And it was when that teammate of ours awoke to the idea of social selling and, of course, eventually left that organization and moved on to ours. What It's an incredible story when he tells it better than the way I can of just how important tr- being a trusted advisor is in an account. And – how does that play into, you know, the, the kind of the everyday sales that maybe have a bit, well, I don't want to necessarily say shorter sales cycle, but, you know, you, you look at individual car sales professionals or retail consumer electronics or, or you know, whatever it might be right up to the, the scale of sale that you just talked about. How do we change our mindset from, you know, everyday grind, 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 feature advantage, benefit, because I got to get these people in and I got to sell something today or else I'm not getting my paycheck. How do we shift the mindset to, to, I guess, make that individual feel more comfortable embarking on this journey of social selling? That's a great question because when people first hear greater definitions of social, you know, the mindset is, well, this must be for the complex sale. What about the transactional seller? Well, yeah. my business is a perfect example. We have both. We actually have a transactional $1,500 product, right, uh, for any sales professional. And we have a million-dollar product 
for the, you know, the oracles of the world. But for the $1,500 product, the mindset now is, okay, I need to become a lighthouse, not a tugboat. And what that means is I actually need to find ways of creating greater omnipresence, greater mag- you know, magnetism so that leads would come inbound, people will want to come to me because I physically can't dial the phone enough times right. to bang out enough deals. That's not scalable enough. Sure. And so for the transactional seller, the way you have to look at social is I'm going to become a digital newspaper and I'm going to find ways of mechanizing my own scale. And that's the mindset shift of saying, wow, I can actually create a, uh, a presence where I uh, deals not only come inbound to me, but I'm able to source deals uh, from an outbound perspective. I'm able to source deals more quickly and strategically because I'm seeing people that are engaging what I'm doing or interested in what I'm doing. So when I reach out via the phone, it's a warmer sale. So that's how I, when we look at our teammates that sell the transactional product, it's you want to find ways of mechanizing your, and scale yourself. That's what social can do for you. And and to do that, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, really to, to kind of do it at that scale, you, you need to convince yourself that it is worth your time to pause, sit down, come up with your plan of attack, come up with your strategy and and then actually follow through with it. Because I, I think, you know, even at times in the past, I've felt uh, so much overwhelm around this idea of transaction today, 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 that it stresses, it, it has stressed me out to the point where I have lost sight of the value that comes from actually having a plan of attack. So, so to do what you're saying and say, Hey, think through this. I mean, that individual, uh, you know, our, our listeners, our viewers need to say, Hey, you know what? This is important to me. I see the value of this and I need to take the time to, to patiently sit down and, and put a process in motion. Uh, absolutely. And there, there are three sales processes within social seller and, uh, each have a different speed or velocity in which they create opportunity. I'll give you an example of two, uh, and they're you know diametrically opposite of each other. The first is the trigger trigger event selling, so the job change alert. So I'm a sales professional. I need a quick win. I need I need three new opportunities this month. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where you're able to do advanced searches on every one of your uh, your customers and see the migration of their employees from your existing advocates, your existing customers, who has moved from those accounts into other prospective accounts that you haven't penetrated. So now I can call them and I have a a, a trigger-based contextual conversation that I could have tomorrow. So that's something I could use to book a meeting tomorrow. Whereas sharing insights is the long tail. It's about creating pipeline for Q3 and Q4 this year. It's about setting myself up for a completely different position um, in my geographic node or industry or vertical than I was last year. Mm. Uh, Very different approaches, and they have that short and long-term game. But you have to be cognizant of the fact that you have to play both at the same time. I love that because you know now now you you know I'm I'm seeing the bigger picture here, which is um, you know typically uh, the messaging I think that's out there, especially around selling, is you got to go all in, balls to the walls on this one thing. What you said is really fascinating because because 
you're saying, yeah, there are a couple of different approaches here that rendered different, you know, results for different things, but they are still part of one all encompassing strategy. Well, hundred percent. I, so I had a, when I started this business, I was deep, deep into debt. I had a failing business and I was scrambling to find ways of generating leads. I, I didn't get into social selling because I wanted to. I got into it because of a necessity. Sure. And what I recognized was I needed to create leads fast. And one of the ways I did this, and it became a methodology that we developed, it, we call it now the sphere of influence. I basically would take a customer success story and I would go into LinkedIn. I would roadmap every person that ever worked at the company uh, that I had done a deal with that is now in a power position in another company and their competitors and I would draw, uh, literally on a PowerPoint slide, I would draw out who all of those people were. And I would then shop that story to those same people. And I recognized that it was the fastest way I could create new opportunity when I would sell a company's success to either one of their competitors or somebody that used to work there that would understand what it means in their new business. It was a simple way of opening doors. And, and, and I just, I had to create that plan of attack. So, so fascinating. Um, you know, for, for those listening or watching in, in winding down here, how can they get in touch with you? How can they uh, get started on this journey to get that ball, ball moving, so to speak? So they can always reach out to me via LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Jamie T. Shanks, and then they can look, look me up. I'm the CEO of Sales for Life, so look me up. Oh, sorry, I just dropped my, uh, my microphone here. Uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn. But at the same time, um, we have a classroom that runs every month. We have a, a training certification that runs every month, we, uh, part of Social Sign Mastery, that any individual sales professional can take. So if you reach out to me, I can put you in the right hands on our team and uh, happy to help any way we can. Love it. Such fascinating conversation. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, like I said, I've seen so much in my own career come from this concept and by applying it. I love what you say about having a strategy. Be patient, build it out, and then and then execute like a freak of nature and, and have this all come together. Jamie, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thank you so much for the invite.